0: You are Locked On Kings, your daily podcast on the Sacramento Kings.
1: Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And now, ladies and
0: gentlemen, it is that time. Time for another episode of Locked
1: On Kings. As always, the great Scott Moak bringing you into another episode of the Locked On Kings podcast. I look forward to hearing that legendary PA announcer and his voice echoing through the Golden One Center very, very soon. But today's episode of Locked On Kings is an exciting one. I am going to be joined by Sacramento Kings forward Robert Woodard II. He's going to talk about his unusual journey through the NBA, his first season being a COVID impacted 72 game season. He'll talk. Talk about the process of getting drafted to going right into training camp and then into the regular season. He'll talk about playing in the Orlando G League bubble and expectations and preparations for this upcoming season. It's all on today's episode of the Locked On Kings podcast. Hello and welcome into Locked On Kings, your podcast hub for Sacramento Kings coverage all regular season and all off season. If you're looking for in-depth analysis, game-by-game breakdowns, highlights, interviews with local and national experts. Full coverage of the Sacramento Kings from January all the way through to December. This is the place for you, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. And today's episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. Enjoyment isn't the end game, it's the whole game. At only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, it's only worth it if you enjoy it. My name is Matt George. I have the privilege of being your host here. I've been a Sacramento Sports Radio host for the last six, nearly seven years. And this is going to be my eighth season covering the Kings, both as an on-air host and a multimedia journalist. I am so excited for you to hear my interview with Robert Woodard II today. So much great stuff, interesting context about his journey in the NBA so far, and towards the end, I think you'll be as excited as I was when we wrapped up the interview for what Robert Woodard can provide for the Sacramento Kings next season. I can't wait to see how he looks and how he performs coming into training camp. We discussed the possibility of him playing in Summer League for the Sacramento Kings this year, which sounds like it's going to happen. I don't want to spoil any more. I'll get out of the way so you can listen to Robert Woodard II here on the Locked on Kings podcast. Joining me right now from your Sacramento Kings, Robert Woodard II. Are you a former rookie now? How does that work? So now that your rookie season's officially over, are you still a rookie until the start of next season? Or have you have you shed that rookie label, Robert?
0: Yeah, so they, they told me the rule is you're still a rookie until you play in the next season. So te- technically, I'm still a rook.
1: Oh, man. So if you start the next season injured, you, or, and I'm not wishing that on you or anybody, but if you start the next season and miss some games for whatever reason, you're still a rookie until you get on the floor?
0: For sure, still oh. a rookie. Really rookie in the locker room in the okay. locker room. Yeah.
1: Do, they still, do they still? Do you still get the hazing and everything like that? Do you still have to bring like donuts until you get into the game for the first time?
0: Probably so. I wouldn't be surprised. Oh
1: man. Well, I, I hope you don't have to deal with that. Let's hope you're you're suiting up and playing on opening night. But Robert, thank you so much for joining me here on Locked On Kingsman, man. I'm so excited to talk to you. I've been I've been looking forward to this interview because. I'm extremely curious, as I know a lot of just NBA fans are, about what it was like to go through this COVID-19 2020-2021 season, not just as a player, but as a rookie, where you haven't experienced the full NBA yet, going all the way back to draft night, man. Did you just take it day by day, or or did you get at least some kind of NBA experience that you expected?
0: Yeah, it was literally day by day, um, ever since I put my name in the draft just simply because they kept moving the combine back and it was, you know, it was set a specific date for something and then they push it back. So it was literally day by day. And when they finally set everything in stone, that's when it was a little bit of a sigh of relief, but it was still like, are they going to push it back? So it was just a waiting game throughout the whole process.
1: So do you f- do you feel like that that gap that you had in between the abrupt end to your, your season uh, in college to all the like the months and months it took just to get to the draft and then going right from the draft into training camp, do you feel like that gave you and, and like Jemias and Tyrese a little bit of an advantage because of you who had that time to work on your game? Or did you feel behind the eight ball because of no summer league and because of training camp right away and you had to uh, like struggle through that?
0: Um, I would say a little bit of both. Um, I would say it helped my individual game a lot, you know, cause I was able to take two, three months to just specifically be in a gym. Whereas Normally, it's right after the college season is over. You're right into the combine and stuff like that. So I would say the three months helped me. But uh, as far as training camp, it wasn't much of a training camp because probably had two weeks, three weeks, and then boom, right into the season. So no summer league and stuff like that. So uh, I would say that's where it kind of hit a little bit.
1: Coach Walton talked a lot about the opportunity that was going to come out of necessity for for players this season because of COVID protocols, injuries, just he needed everybody to be ready. And I remember uh, talking to you, Jemias and Tyrese all about this. And I guess the three of you had a conversation before getting on a plane to come to Sacramento or while flying to Sacramento that you knew you were coming to a place that was going to have uh, opportunity can you speak about that a little bit and, and does it still feel that way like sacramento is this place where uh you know you're gonna get your shot
0: oh yeah for sure it's just i mean with the game of basketball it's just being ready at all times and waiting your turn pretty much i know how things go as rookies you know what i'm saying so sometimes you have to wait your turn so the opportunity is still there you know there's very uh There's a lot of opportunity in multiple positions, I would say, especially one through five, because, you know, we have such a deep rotation. So I feel like the opportunity is always there, just seeking advantage and taking advantage of it.
1: I actually want to go back a little bit, going back to draft night itself. I know it wasn't the usual draft experience, kind of a two part question. If the NBA draft experience was normal, did you have plans on actually attending or or doing your thing from home? And then what was it like, I mean, to finally hear your name called?
0: Yeah, uh, if it was normal, I would probably still uh, stay at home just so my whole family could be there, including my grandmothers. Uh, just, you know, just the whole family. So they can experience it with me. Uh, that would be my main thing, just staying at home and just enjoying it, taking it all in.
1: And then hearing your name called and, and finding out you were, you were headed to Sacramento, what was the immediate reaction? I mean, did it, did it feel real or did it take a while to set in?
0: It took a while, for sure. <laughs> just because the summer was so long. And, uh, you know, we were just waiting on it for so long. Uh, it, it took a while for, for it to sink in with me. I don't know how it was with my family, but I think, like, the next couple of days, was like, okay, it's real. Like, it's finally happened, and it was a, a huge sigh of relief
1: you talked about how quick training camp was before the, the season actually started. But I remember uh, hearing a story about you, I guess, out benching everybody else on the team right away. And and all three of you rookies impressed a ton uh, of people from coaches to players. Uh, what was that training camp environment like? And, and it sounds like from a leadership standpoint across the board, all three of you were welcomed in with open arms.
0: Oh, for sure. Um, especially by the vets, you know, they knew it was a quick turnaround for us. So they were showing us the ropes from day one, but it was, it was very intense. It was a very intense week or two uh, for the training camp, just to try to get everybody prepared. So it was just kind of, you have to be ready um, uh, mentality. You know what I'm saying? Pick it up fast and catch on quick.
1: So I know you've seen Fox before, you've seen Buddy before, you've seen uh, Harrison Barnes before. Did any of those guys, you playing against them in training camp and, and being their teammate right away, did any of them catch you off guard or surprise you for their own reason? Or, or did you know what to expect with those guys?
0: Yeah, so I've watched all of them play. Um, watching Fox in person, he's a lot he's a lot quicker in person. So that was like pretty cool to watch. And then watching Buddy, a knockdown shooter, that was pretty cool to watch. And then just watching Harrison, how poised he is on offense and defense, that was great to watch. So just being a part of it and watching those three guys battle throughout training camp, throughout the season, it was a pleasure for sure.
1: De'Aaron had an incredible season, a season that Kings fans have been waiting for for a long time, which is we knew De'Aaron had this incredible speed and his ability but the, the question was, could he become that guy that just says, okay, I'm, I'm taking over. Everybody get on my back. This is the fourth quarter. We need five straight buckets. I'm going to go out and get it. And he showed that this year. Uh, it's only a matter of time, in my opinion, before he he actually gets an all-star nod and, and gets into the all-star game itself. But I remember, and I've talked about this too, one of the criticisms of De'Aaron that he talked about in training camp was, man, I want to grow as a leader. He likes to lead by example, it seems, more than actually talk. What was was it like working with Fox in that way? Did he, was he that leader for you guys maybe behind the scenes when the cameras are off, not screaming at you guys on the floor or anything like that, but was he that leader that was chatting and, and did he have the ear of the locker room?
0: Yeah. Uh, I could definitely tell the difference between uh, once I, when I first got here to like the end of the season, he grew tremendously as a leader. Um, De'Aaron is not the type that's going, you know, yell at you and stuff like that. But it's like when he's talking, everybody listens. So it's pretty much understood whenever he's, you know, uh, speaking his mind. So I would say he was a great leader, especially leading through example. Um, it was a lot of games I missed while I was in the bubble, but I was just watching him, watching him play on the court, uh, taking over in the fourth quarters, and just the, just the great games that he would have throughout the season. You could definitely tell that he was trying to lead the team for sure.
1: Speaking of leadership, there were a lot of conversations about head coach, Luke Walton and, and his leadership. And, and actually Harrison Barnes, I think summed it up really well. When I asked him about it late in the season, I asked him about coach Walton, maybe he and the coaching staff, do they need to do more to kind of prepare uh, you guys for, for games on some nights? And Harrison kind of shook his head and said, if you, at the NBA level, if you need coaches to prepare for you, you what, what are you doing? Um, which I thought was a very interesting answer. And then uh, Luke consistently always making it about the team, never about one person, never about um, himself or anything like that. Um, there seems to be different leadership styles. And you talked about the yelling and screaming that De'Aaron Fox doesn't do. I know Fox has talked about that as well. It's not his style to, to yell and scream and, and get in the face. In a weird way, does this team need, you think, something, some uh, leadership like that? Or in terms of leadership, do you think this team is pretty well off, at least based off of last season?
0: Yes. uh, I think we're good. I think we're, we're well off. Um, I feel like at the NBA level, it shouldn't take for somebody to, you know, chew you out for you to want to play basketball or do the right thing. You know what I'm saying? We're all grown men. We know how to play the game. And like Harrison was saying, if you need the coaches to, you know, have a better scout report or help you with your game and stuff like that, as far as uh, learning the game, that means you need to be more of a student of the game and uh, watch it on an individual level. You know what I'm saying? So, I feel like we're, we're well off uh, for the future. Um, it just takes everybody to be dialed in individually and bring it together uh, like a chain link.
1: And Harrison also spoke about accountability. And he, he talked at the end about how the team needs to get rid of the my bads, those individual mistakes and and just come together more as a unit, which I thought is just another example um, of of Harrison's leadership. But when it comes to those, my bads, those individual mistakes, we saw how good this team could be when everybody was on the same page. What was the difference? Was there there differences in the locker room between those winning streaks and those losing streaks, or was the message pretty much the same? It was just minor execution issues.
0: Um, I mean, you could definitely feel the energy when a losing streak is going on and when a winning streak is going on, it's just a matter of how focused are we, and uh, how bad do we want to win? Because we definitely you could definitely see the potential throughout the season. Uh, we're a great ball club when we're playing together, sharing the ball, uh, exciting team to watch. And it's just we have to get rid of the losing streaks. You can't let one game turn into two, three, four, five. In our case, nine to ten. You know, so once we cut those out and execute the way that we know we can play, we'll be a will be a great team for sure.
1: This episode of Locked on Kings is brought to you by Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. BetOnline.ag is your place to play with great lines for games, prop bets galore. If you want to make money on sports, BetOnline is the best place to do it. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including the MLB, NBA, NHL, NFL, all your UFC, MMA action, golf, and more. Before the next pitch or tip-off, head over to BetOnline on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. And check it out. When you sign up, if you use promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, you'll get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. It's free money they're giving you to make money on Bet Online. your online sportsbook experts. Your fellow rookie Tyrese Halliburton impressed a lot of people with his communication, his leadership that he showed both in speaking with the media and just speaking with his teammates. But for yourself, Jemiah, some of the other guys on the uh, younger guys on the team, were you encouraged to to speak up and, and share your voice and talk about things that you saw that might be wrong or, or communicate or, or ask when you needed help? Were you encouraged to do stuff like that?
0: Oh yeah, they, they want us to be as vocal as possible. Um, whether it's you know trying to correct a mistake or just inserting our opinions or even if we have questions. They want us to be vocal because you know you can't learn if you're not vocal in asking questions. So they encourage that every day. So that's what we try to do. And a lot of times you know we do listen just because uh, we're the rooks and that's just how it goes. So we, we listen and then speak second.
1: Did, but did you expect that go coming in the NBA? Because I would have been exactly what you just said. And in my situation, ever working my way into into the NBA or something like that, I would probably not say a word. I'd just sit down, shut up and do what I was told just to make sure I didn't say something wrong. But did you expect to come into an NBA environment that encouraged you to, to be involved as if you had been there for a while?
0: Uh. It's hard to say almost no I would say my answer is no just because you know you hear the rumors about rookies and how they're treated and stuff like that but to be welcomed in like that and encouraged to to speak out uh, speak out and things of that nature it, it felt felt very good so I, I like it.
1: We're hoping that De'Aaron Fox is going to be around a long time with the uh, year one of his five year max contract beginning next season. And when Fox signed that contract, one of the things that he said was that uh, it's about building a culture of winning. And that was echoed by general manager Monty McNair, echoed by many teammates, echoed by uh, head coach Luke Walton do you feel like that culture is changing? Cause I know you've, you know, Sacramento, you understand Sacramento's history. It's been a long time since this team has had that kind of winning consistent culture. Can you feel that changing after one season?
0: Definitely. I definitely feel it. Uh, We just have a lot of competitors on our team and people who want to win. And that's what you need to, uh, to build a winning culture. We already have the fans behind us. Uh, We have, some of the best fans in the world, I would say they support us through everything. So uh, once we once we come together and we we we, uh, we band as one, I feel like we'll be a great ball club and we'll be we'll be where we want to be.
1: As an NBA fan and also a media member, there are a number of places where I wish I was a fly on the wall. Like whether it's a draft room, a top secret draft room or um, inside the general manager's office on trade deadline day. But I would also love just to be a fly on the wall of, of a flight to a different city or just be on a road trip. And I know road trips this year were significantly different than what they were normally where normally teammates would spend time together. On the road trips that you you went on, did did you experience kind of a really tight environment? Were you able to spend the time freely with your teammates like you wanted to? Or was it pretty rigid and and kind of de- or dictated where you went and what you did?
0: Oh, we were we were able to uh to spend time with our teammates, especially like on flights and stuff like that. It would be a lot of film watching if you wanted to watch film. And then other than that, socializing and just, you know, getting to know your teammates and getting comfortable around everybody because that's what it's about, building relationships and bonds off the court as well so we can have the chemistry on the court.
1: We had only a 72-game season instead of the normal 82-game season, and I remember Fox's rookie year, him talking about hitting that – rookie wall about 40 50 games in where you realize man this season is a lot longer than it looks from uh, from the sideline perspective even with 72 games the rigorous travel schedule you spending time in the G League bubble which we're going to talk about here in a little bit did you feel that kind of exhaustion set in of man this season it's a lot of games this is a lot of basketball
0: um I don't well yeah it was a time when it was like okay these games are like back to back to back But I think the fact that I went to Florida and was uh, able to participate in the bubble, it took my mind away from it. So I was able to, you know, get away from the NBA regular season, kind of have my own season to myself in a sense, and then come back and join. So I think that took my mind off of the actual exhaustion uh, that the season actually has.
1: So let's, let's talk about that bubble a little bit. Cause I mean, going to play for the Austin Spurs, unfortunately the Stockton Kings, uh, did not travel. We're not one of the teams that went, but getting the opportunity to go and play for the Spurs. I don't know how much you can share of how that came about. Did they contact the team and ask for you specifically, how did that work that you ended up in the bubble with Austin?
0: Um, honestly, I don't know if they contacted them specifically asking for me, but, uh, I just remember Paul Johnson saying that, uh, if you go to the bubble, most likely you'll be playing with the Spurs. And I was like the only person that they chose, I believe, or something like that. And uh, I was just like, okay, cool. We don't have a team and I want to get some reps in. And that's what happened pretty much.
1: I imagine you would have been happy playing for anybody, but to play for an organization like the Spurs, who has the pedigree, the history, uh, was there a little extra excitement knowing? and, And like you just said, the team wanted you.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Knowing that the team uh, actually had interest in me uh, and they're a great organization as well. Uh, I was pretty hyped just to be playing basketball, honestly. And then going to the Spurs was pretty cool as well because I had friends on there as well. Uh, Pretty cool with uh, Trey Jones. So uh, being able to link with him again and play with him again, I was very excited about that.
1: Yeah, the G League has changed a lot over the last five, six, seven years to where it seems like now, whereas it might have been viewed as a demotion for players a number of years ago. It seems like now a, a, a opportunity ground uh, for players like yourself, just players, period, to go down, get some reps and, and get ready and play against pretty significantly talented competition that I think people overlook sometimes. So how did you approach the opportunity to go play in that G league bubble? And then what was the competition level like?
0: Yeah. Uh, I, th- I think people forget that uh, it was once called the D league. Mm-hmm. The league. So uh, that's how I looked at it. It's just going down there trying to develop my game and get better with every game that we play, you know? So I just looked at it as an opportunity and uh, not as being demoted uh, just because they sent me down. You know, uh, it's still a, it's a pleasure and a blessing to play the game every day. So that's how I looked at it. And I just wanted to prove that, you know, I'm, I'm ready to play on any level and that, that I'm able to compete with anybody. The competition level in the, in the G League was, was very high. Just because it's the G League doesn't mean it's, it's not great players down there. We, we had a lot of close games and there was a lot of great talent uh, in the G League as well. They're professionals.
1: Yeah. And, and I think one of my favorite things of following G League basketball over the last couple of years has been seeing the amount of players that it, it's very similar to a college environment in some ways, because you see players who are hungry and, and, and want to, to prove that they belong, whether it's in the NBA or, or on their college program, on their G League program. It's just, you can see the way these players play that it, half of them play like they're never going to play a game after that, which I think bodes well for developing. Did you get that sense as well?
0: Oh, yeah, it was a great sense of urgency uh, when I was in the in the G for the month, however long I was there. Uh, Guys were just playing, you know, playing to compete, playing to win and just playing their hearts out. Uh, That's what I really liked about it. Every game that we played, it was like almost like the last one. felt like the last one. So I enjoyed that environment.
1: So, Robert, what were you trying to work on? Was there anything specifically that you were trying to work on in the G league bubble or was it just an all around thing were, were there focuses or were you even given assignments maybe by the Sacramento Kings of, Hey, we want you to work on this, this, and this.
0: Yeah. I was getting phone calls, uh, throughout my whole experience in the bubble, uh, individually. I just wanted to work on my, uh, defense guarding the one through five for the most part. Um, as far as on the offensive end, just being able to get offensive rebounds as well as defensive rebounds, just being active all over the floor and just knocking down shots.
1: So I remember watching your first couple of G League performances and and many of us in Sacramento were paying attention to both what you and Jemias were doing uh, in the G League bubble and, and what stood off or jumped off the page immediately for you, for most of us in Sacramento, is the offensive game that we knew that you were working on and knew that I think coach Walton earlier on in the season had talked about the the faith that the team has in you on the defensive end of the floor, but offensively uh, is where they really want to see the work come in. And I mean, for you to average almost 17 points a game uh, in the G league bubble, lead the Spurs in scoring for most of the G league bubble, if I'm not mistaken, uh, offensively, you really impressed. What was the mindset? It was just attack, attack, attack. And, and I'm hungry to prove offensively that I do have a game, but what was your approach there?
0: Um, not really. Um, I knew they had Trey and Luca as their first two options. So it was mainly just let the game come to me. Uh, That's how I played my game my whole life, pretty much. Just not force it. And then uh, whenever I do get the chance or opportunity to do what I can on offense, make the most of it. So uh, I really wasn't trying to force the issue on the offensive end, you know what I'm saying? I wanted to make it
1: realistic uh, as to my role
0: would be here with the Kings as well. So uh, that was more so my mindset.
1: What to you was the most positive part of of being part of that Orlando bubble? Is there anywhere where you feel like, man, I benefited big time in this specific area or skill set because of the G League time? Oh yeah, it helped
0: my confidence a lot uh, when I was there, Uh, just being able to get the reps in, get in game shape. uh, And then it exposed me as well to the things I learned uh, internally, what I need to work on, you know, uh, hopefully the scouting report didn't catch on, but it was a lot of things in the bubble that I caught on to that I needed to work on. So that's what I enjoyed about it the most, just uh, trying to learn from my mistakes.
1: And then as a side note, what was it like being a part of that that bubble campus in, in Orlando where the league had to finish out play just uh, just a few months before that?
0: It was, it was different. <laughs> the whole bubble experience was different. It was literally basketball, sleep, eat, basketball, you know, um, just being stuck in one one area for that long amount of time, it was different. But it helped me mentally, I would say, um, throughout the whole process. Helped me focus, I'll say that.
1: Are you a Disney guy? They didn't let you go out and experience Disney World a little bit while you were there? <laughs> no, we, we weren't
0: allowed to go to Disney. Not, not during that time. <laughs>
1: Man, that would be, I mean, my family and I, we love Disney, so that would be too tempting to look out my window and, and see all the oh. fun going on. But, you know, you're you're playing the game you love, so I, I understand it made it a little bit easier.
0: Yeah, it's still hard. You see the signs every time you go to the gym, and then you see different roller coaster rides. It, it was tempting. It was, it was very tempting.
1: Sounds like torture, a, a lesson in, I guess, uh, professionalism in the NBA taught in a very difficult way and unexpected way. But coming back to the main roster after that G League period, which I'm surprised how quick it was. I don't know if it felt super fast to you while you were there, but it was like blank and it was over. But coming back to the main roster, both yourself and Jemias, what kind of confidence did it give you coming back into that gym? And, and did your teammates take notice of, of your improvement?
0: Oh, yeah. Uh, My teammates were they were keeping up with us the whole time we were there. They were texting us after games and stuff like that, keeping us encouraged. The whole uh, the coaching staff as well. Uh, Once I got back, my confidence was very high. I felt like I could compete with anybody. Um, I felt like my performance in the bubble was great. So coming back, I was very excited uh, just to be in practice again with my teammates.
1: I remember tweeting out, I think it was your stat line of your first game in the G League, the really impressive stat line that you had. And I think Kyle Guy quote tweeted it saying, don't show them everything or don't show them the whole bag. Do do you remember that? And and was that just a small example of the kind of support that you got from your teammates, even though you're on the other side of the country?
0: Oh yeah, Cal uh, guy is my guy. We we keep in contact all the time. Uh, Got messages messages from Jabari Parker, buddy, H B, De'Aaron, just everybody because they know how the bubble is. They know how hard it is to be down there, uh, but they're very supportive guys and they're like family. So great group of guys all the
1: way around. That's that's awesome to hear. Well, you're you're. Coming into a a second season in the NBA where there's still some question marks with the Sacramento, a ton of question marks with the Sacramento Kings as to how they're going to approach next season, adjustments they want to make. I know Luke Walton has been very vocal about continuing to to develop and not waiting around. He wants everybody working right away uh, so that you guys can hit the ground running when it comes to next season. But we know defensively, it's still a massive area of need for this Kings team. Does that give, or does that encourage you knowing your natural defensive ability, what got you mainly into the league in the first place and that you are going to be able to use that talent, use that skill into something that the team significantly needs?
0: Oh yeah. Uh, defense is, is very important for every team. Uh, I feel, and every, every team has that one defensive guy that they turn to. And uh, I'm looking forward to trying to make that my position. So, I'm going to use my abilities and my athleticism and my uh, intangibles to try to to try to maintain that role and and, and get it.
1: Looking back on it, I made a mistake not to ask Robert Woodard if he's ever tried a Built Bar, because to be as built and as strong as Woodard is, you need plenty of protein, and Built Bar is the best-tasting protein bar ever. It tastes like a candy bar, but helps you build that muscle and keep you in shape. Built Bar has nine delicious flavors, coconut, coconut almond, cherry, raspberry, mint brownie, which is my favorite, peanut butter brownie, double chocolate, and salted caramel, plus they have their occasional limited time flavors around holidays or just random times for you to try and scoop up if you haven't tried all of their nine flavors you can get a mixed box where you'll get two of each of the nine flavors and check this out most of the flavors have 17 grams of protein only 130 calories only four grams of sugar and only four grams of net carbs you can order today right now on builtbar.com use promo code locked 15 and you'll get 15 percent off your first order again that's promo code locked 15 for 15 percent off at builtbar.com from where you were at this time last summer, still waiting to be, I mean, waiting to be drafted. We were waiting for the season to, to end and, and figure out how that was going to work. Uh, but from this point last season to where you are today, how much would you say you've just grown as an overall basketball player?
0: Tremendously. I, I can't even, <laughs>
1: it's hard to even
0: explain how much my my game has grown. Uh, not even just, you know, skill wise, mentally as well. Um, it's, you know, i going through it all season, being able to compete and practice and stuff like that. One-on-ones going to the bubble. I just feel like a, a brand new player uh, confidence is through the roof and uh, it's, it can always get better. I can say that, but my game has increased tremendously.
1: I think there were pictures and videos that, that surfaced of yourself and Jemias, and I being, I believe Chemezi and, and Damian I, uh, as well, working with uh, Rico Hines and the, the, King's practice facility here recently. Uh, I mean, the, the off season wasn't much of an offseason. It looks like you guys have hit the ground running right away. What, what, was, what has those trainings been like?
0: Oh, they've been great. Uh, very intense. Uh, we're just doing a lot of skill work and things like that and just trying to prepare for next season. Uh, a lot of defensive things, too, defensive tools uh, to sharpen our game as well. Uh, we've been all in there together every day pretty much, and we're just trying to ele- elevate each other every day and I, I've enjoyed it every step.
1: What's it been like working with and, and, and playing for Rico Hines? I mean, he's got such an incredible reputation around the league uh, and to have him on that bench and, and to get his expertise to help work with you and the rest of your teammates, that's gotta be pretty cool.
0: Oh yeah, it's great. Um, a lot of people wanna work with him and to be able to have the opportunity to work out with him every day is great. Uh, I, I don't take it for granted, that's for sure. He's, he's great in the basketball world. He knows the game. He's very intense and he pushes you every day to be your best self. So I enjoy having him around. That's for sure.
1: As we're trying to get back to normal here, hopefully we will be having a a Las Vegas summer league. Uh, I'm sure you've heard about the California classic that we've held for a couple of years here at the golden one center. Are you hoping that you'll get the opportunity to play in those or what's the situation where have you, have you informed about the possibility of those taking place and you playing for the Kings?
0: Yeah, uh, hopefully I'm able to play in the summer league. It's looking likely. Uh, So I'm looking forward to that all the way, just so I can, you know, show what I've been working on throughout the summer and things like that. And uh, hopefully catch their eye to show them where I can fit in in the rotation as well and prepare me for the regular season. So I'm looking forward to it.
1: What do you think will surprise people if you do play in the summer league and even going into next season will surprise people with development in your game or improvement in your game, or I guess, what, what do you expect to jump off the page when we watch Robert Woodard the second play basketball again for the Sacramento Kings? Uh,
0: Hopefully my defense stands out the most. um, But as well as my versatility on the offensive end, um, being able to handle the ball. I I remember uh, once I got drafted and things like that, before I got drafted, you know, ball handling and decision-making was a question mark somewhat, um, on my name. So hopefully I'm able to prove that, okay, he's comfortable with the ball. He can, he can pass. He can find an open man and things like that. Set other people up.
1: Speaking about your draft stock and and really your draft class as a whole. And I, I know Tyrese has spoken about this a lot your draft class as a whole was labeled a weak class compared to this current draft class that is coming up has been labeled a, a strong class. And it's such a, it's such a crapshoot. It seems like every year for those of us on the outside to try and predict what's going to happen. But I know you players have used that as motivation. Do you still feel that motivation, not only for yourself, but for your class as a whole to prove that yourself, Tyrese Jemias, I mean, you are strong parts of a class that is severely underrated.
0: Oh, yeah, I feel like everybody feels it. Um, that was in the same class. Uh, we just, we always have that tip on our shoulder. I felt it ever since, you know, college and stuff like that. So once we came out and, you know, that's kind of how they labeled it, it's always, okay, we can prove them wrong, but most importantly, we have things to prove to ourselves. So once again, like I said, for a lot of guys uh, in, the rookie, in the rookie season, it's a waiting game, but I feel like once everybody gets their chance and opportunity, they're going to take great advantage of it.
1: Yeah, and that waiting game, staying ready, I understand as a competitor, it's hard because you want to be in there, especially when you you see a team struggling in an area where you feel like you can make an impact. But what is it like weathering that going through that? Because of course, you want to play, but you know, it's, it's a matter of time, like you just said, a waiting game. Is that a difficult balance for you? Or was it easier than you imagined?
0: Oh, uh, I kind of experienced it in college. So I kind of I kind of knew how to deal with it. Um, it's always difficult at times, just because you have to stay mentally strong throughout that uh, that phase or whatever. But uh, I just look at it as an opportunity to focus on different things like learning the game, being able to watch other guys uh, while they're on the floor, and then uh, try to add it to my game. Uh, I guess, I like I say to my cousin all the time, I just use it as a red shirt season almost. to mm. develop my game and then year two is when I'm able to apply
1: everything. Well, I only have a couple more questions for you, and you've been so generous with your time here. I really appreciate it. Uh,
0: oh, yeah, no problem.
1: Yeah, the first being the expectations for that second season for for you. What or what are you most looking forward to, and what is your biggest focus going into training camp? I know it's months away, uh, but you're you're preparing for it already. What is the biggest focus for you when training camp comes around, when you're you're ready to prove uh, you belong in this King's rotation?
0: I would just say defense, defense, defense and knocking down open shots. Uh, that's the main thing. We have a lot of great scores on our team and stuff like that. So I really don't have to worry about that much. But just being that uh, the defensive guy that's very intense every day and that's just active every day all over the floor. Uh, that's what I want to stand out. And that's what I'm looking forward to.
1: And then lastly, I know you've been paying attention to these uh, these wild NBA playoffs that have been going on. It's been so good to see fans back in in arenas basically full. Uh, and a lot of us are, are focusing on what the Phoenix Suns are doing and, and how great of a story they've been, the additions that they've made. But it wasn't too long ago that the Suns were in a very similar position to what the, the Kings currently find themselves in. So is there motivation there seeing what the Suns uh, have done and knowing that this roster is, is hopefully capable of a, of a turnaround like that?
0: Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, just simply because just looking at the Suns about two, three years ago, it, it was it was pretty bad. So it's very it's, it's very possible for any team. And I feel like right now for us, we're we're at our highest. I feel we have all the talent we need, the skills we need, and we have a great group of guys who want to compete and win. So I feel like right now it's the time to make the most of it.
1: They say the NBA playoffs are a completely different beast and you have to actually experience it to fully understand it, but you're getting a pretty good idea of what it takes to, to be successful at that level, just following these playoffs and after a year in the league.
0: Oh yeah. It takes consistency, uh, effort and focus. Those are the main three things. Uh, Everybody has to be on the same page when it comes to a team, especially if you want to make a deep playoff run, because you have to gel together like, no other time throughout the season in the playoffs. So I'm looking very forward to seeing uh, what we do next season.
1: And I, I'll tell you what, I'm truthfully looking very forward to you getting you to experience what the real Sacramento Kings environment is like in Sacramento. I know at the very tail end there, you got to experience a few thousand fans in the golden one center, but even though this, uh, this team and the city hasn't hosted playoffs in quite some time, the, we pride ourselves, I guess, on the, uh, the support of the organization and just the overall atmosphere of Sacramento Kings games. So I'm very much looking forward for you, Tyrese, Jemais, everybody to experience that. Cause in my opinion, that's one of the biggest things you missed out on this year.
0: Yeah, most definitely Uh, watching the playoffs. Now I'm definitely a little jealous, just a little bit, but I, I know the Kings fans will do their thing next year for us.
1: Well, we're all looking forward to watching you suit up and, and play. I, I'm, I'm rooting for you to crack that rotation. You certainly provide a lot of what the Sacramento Kings team needs. And you've been so awesome with your time here during the offseason. I appreciate it. Uh, willing to come on Locked on Kings. I hope we can do it again in the future. But I'll, I'll look forward to, to speaking to and trying to get into the busy schedule of Robert Woodard II, who plays 25 to 30 minutes a night and has all these uh, media requests already. <laughs>
0: No doubt. No doubt. It's been a pleasure for sure, my man. I really appreciate you having me on.
1: The pleasure was absolutely all mine, Robert. I hope we get the opportunity to do it again. I look forward to the opportunity of watching him suit up in Sacramento Kings white and purple and hopefully become the defensive juggernaut, especially on the perimeter that the Sacramento Kings desperately need. I'm not just beating around the bush because I was talking to the guy. I really believe he has a chance to crack the rotation next year. Offensively, his game, of course, does still need work. It sounds like he's been putting in that work, but he provides a lot of what the Kings need, and it sounds like solidifying that defensive presence has been his focus so far this offseason, which is, according to Luke Walton and Monty McNair in their postseason press conferences, exactly what the challenge has been to this roster. If you want to respond to anything that Robert and I discussed, please do so at Matt George Radio on Twitter, or you can email me mgeorge at saclocalmedia.com. And I look forward to doing more interviews like that, hopefully with Sacramento Kings players, coaches, and things like that on Locked on Kings as we go forward. I appreciate Robert being willing to come on, spending so much time with me here, and I hope it was as much of a treat for you to listen to as it was for me just to talk to Robert. Have yourself a great weekend. Stay safe. Stay cool if you're in Sacramento. It's going to be a hot one. And as always, I can't wait for you to join me on Locked On Kings next week. More great content coming, so be sure to tune in. Until then, my name is Matt George. You have been listening to Locked On Kings, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. You are Locked On Kings, your daily Sacramento Kings podcast. Part of the Locked
0: On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.